0: I haven't even mentioned the mannequin yet. Have I mentioned the mannequin? I haven't. Okay. Well, Okay, do we really need to see her having to use the bathroom? What's, what's even the point? I don't normally do this, but quick disclaimer for this video since we're gonna talk about some sensitive topics and subjects, I just wanted to put of your discretion as advised, proceed uh, with caution. the Abyss is an award-winning anime and manga. It's praised for its intricate and lush world-building, heart-wrenching stories of abuse, adventure, and resilience, as well as some really questionable and weird shit. Welcome back, to me, friends. As always, before we begin, make sure to grab your cup because it's time to spill the anime tea. Today, we're gonna be diving into the subverted world, the endless chasm of Made in Abyss, its creator, and its controversies. Let's begin. To give a little context of the world of Made Abyss, let's talk about its main plot, which follows a young girl named Rika who lives in an orphanage where other kids who have lost their parents to the abyss live and learn to become cave raiders themselves. One day after going on a raid, Rika gets saved by a young boy who turns out to be a relic of the abyss. We also learned that Rico's mother has gone to the bottom of the abyss and that she has sent Reg and a message for Rico to go down and find her. Therefore, that's how the wonderful, wholesome adventure of Made the Abyss begins. Except it's not wholesome at all. It's actually gruesome, terrifying, and awful in the best and worst way possible. The adventure show that's not afraid to get a little gruesome with its young characters won Anime of the Year in 2017 and has been critically acclaimed for years. Yet why do so many of its fans claim it's a difficult series to recommend to their friends? Why does it spark debates on whether certain scenes are good storytelling or just unnecessarily traumatic? In order to understand why fans both love and hate the series and have trouble recommending it to other people in their lives, we need to dive into the mind of the creator, Akihito Tsukushi, who is the mangaka and the incredibly intricate world that he has crafted in the abyss. Being a game developer for many years, Akihito Tsukushi put his love and passion into creating his own series. His first series was not really successful. He later went on to create Main Abyss, which actually was not very successful at first either only after u- utilizing his influences from works and books that he had read uh, that he was able to actually make main Abyss really popular with the an Nanachi story, which he put all of his hopes and fears into and which is some of the best storytelling in all of Main Abyss. It's actually a really interesting video about this that explores the story behind Sakushi and how he made main Abyss what it is today. But let's talk about the world of the Abyss and Sukushi's influences for creating it. Even if it's a lie that has nothing to do with it, if you give the world a sense of reality and persuasiveness, you can make it a grounded fantasy. The grounded fantasy of Main Abyss seems to be what led to its main appeal. It's intricate world building filled with fantastic characters and settings. It's paralleled with the characters who are just, for the most part, very normal children. Except for Reg, who is a relic known as an Obad, who is like a super rare, super powerful mechanical being. But besides that, Rico, even Anachi actually are pretty normal characters that has been um, mentally and sometimes literally physically affected by the abyss. And Sakushi put emphasis on wanting to create characters who were fairly normal and would be able to feel honest and real. And you can definitely tell that Sakushi spent a lot of time in developing the abyss. He says that he was actually inspired by an image of a tree. If you expand the microscopic world like that tree, you can create interesting things and that's what he did. Every layer of the abyss, every microscopic being that he saw in the tree, he recreated in his own image within the abyss to make this perilous world for the characters to dive into and that's what makes it feel, even though it is so fantastical, it smoke makes it feel so authentic. Each layer of the abyss has its own environment and therefore its own strains on the characters as they dive deeper within them. This world full of suffering is very much intertwined with the characters and what they go through and therefore very much intertwined with the controversies that we will talk about. Now for this section I'm going to have to tiptoe over a lot of things so there's not going to be a lot of things I can't say or that I don't feel comfortable saying as what they are also for you know so I don't get demonetized. So if you ever get confused by like the vague way that I'm talking or the things that I censor, if you want to ask about those things, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at the t, where I can dive a little bit more into what I'm talking about, just enough to give you more context. So watching Me in Abyss, you might notice that there is a lot of reference to bodily fluids. And that might be weird for you, like it was for me when I first noticed this. The abyss and bodily fluids go hand in hand as the toll of the abyss is often shown in the reference to the amount of fluids that the characters emit. And by characters, I mean like almost exclusively Rico. Besides like the normal things that are related to gore and those types of bodily fluids, there are a lot of references as well to number one and two activities if you catch my drift. In almost every other episode, there is a scene where they reference Rico having a bowel movement and it's at first like, oh, okay, yeah, she's going to have a bowel movement. She's human. We've established that. She's going to have to go to the bathroom. This is normal. Uh, but it gets to the point where it's like, okay, do we really need to see her having to use the bathroom while they go down into the last chasm of the abyss. This is supposed to be the most intense lead up like to the climax of the story. Uh, Rico and the others going to the final layer of the abyss in which they cannot return because if they do, they will not be human anymore. Yet that is subverted with Rico having to use the bathroom? What's, what's even the point? Why does every other show that just briefly mentions this or does it for like comedic relief can glance over like the fact that people have to use the bathroom. But for this show, we always have to know that Rico has to always go number two. As someone who has had altitude sickness, I can understand why the show might reference certain bodily like afflictions that Rico has, both ascending and descending into the abyss. For those of you who may not know, altitude sickness is defined as an illness caused by ascent to a higher altitude, uh, and the resulting is a shortage of oxygen, characterized chiefly by hyperventilation, nausea, exhaustion, and cerebral edema, which is the swelling of the brain, which I believe is the reference for the scene where, you know, Reiko is bleeding from every part of her body. Funnily enough, the Google definition doesn't say this, but it also causes intense diarrhea. If Sakushi is being grounded in his grounded fantasy, referencing real life afflictions, then I can understand why Riko would have to go to the bathroom so often if she has had altitude sickness. Fun fact about me randomly, I had altitude sickness because I attempted to climb Mount Whitney, which is one of the highest mountains in the lower 48 United States. And I only made it halfway through before altitude sickness literally wrecked my body. And I had to descend in order to feel normal again. And uh, the way altitude sickness works is that the more you ascend, the more pain that you're in. But as soon as you start to go down, the pressure is almost like instantaneously released off your body. It's kind of insane. So I could understand the level of detailed research that Tsukushi and the possibly even the anime team did to replicate the effects that it has on Riko. I still don't believe they need to reference it as much as they do. Uh, And the constant reference to bodily fluids is something that is actually a little bit more tame in terms of controversies. But what's not as tame is the next controversy which we'll be talking about, which is age. Being a mature series, Main Abyss explores not only the deadly world full of creatures and poisons that cause irreparable harm to whoever chooses to enter, but also the lives, the situations, the reasons for the young protagonists to have to find their way through it and have to live through all of the awful things that the Abyss has to offer. This led many fans of the series to question why the main characters have to be so young. If you did not know, Rico is about 12, 13 years old, Reg is supposed to be the same age, and I think so is Nanachi. It doesn't really make sense why these young kids would have to go to the bottom of the abyss. When literal adults who go to the bottom of the abyss never return, usually. It's a very perilous journey not made for children. And I think that Sakushi was like, yeah, That's basically the point. It's not made for children. and That's why I wanted to show children doing it. I mean, Tsukushi is not alone. There's lots of other mangaka creators and anime creators who use young protagonists to appeal to the young audience that their works are usually geared for. Like lots of shonen and shojo series have protagonists who are in their early or mid-teens to relate to the audience uh, demographic that they are trying to pertain to. But the interesting thing about Maiden Abyss is that it's actually geared towards an older audience. The magazine that Made in Abyss uh, is published in is usually geared towards an older, senior audiences. So why would a show that has some really adorable, cute characters, but that are literal children be aimed towards adult men? Well, this is actually not that weird anime, like I've said before in my other video where I talk about cute girls with weapons, there is this subgenre of anime or this kind of art style known as moe in which characters are drawn a certain way to to inflict feelings of protectiveness over really cute characters that are usually young and wholesome and innocent. There's actually a couple really popular scene series with all-girl cast members that fit this moe genre pretty well. The genre is so diverse because there literally can be a series about cute schoolgirls who want to start a high school band to a freaking isekai where a guy turns into a little girl and has to fight in world war ii like it's just the spectrum is all over the place the only thing that these shows have in common is that a cute girl is at the front and center what's particularly interesting about tsukushi himself though is that he says that he did not used to like to draw cute characters he says i couldn't draw a cute character or rather a round character i focus on how to draw creatures with many warts and how realistically the cut surfaces of those warts should be drawn one day a junior came in and he draws and cute pictures. It was really popular with people around me and I thought oh the times have changed. So I took him in and started drawing together with him. He chose their character designs meticulously you know because they were popular at the time you know to try to help boost his manga but I think that there was also just this maybe purposeful maybe accidental intention to create a really harrowing story with characters that did not look like they belonged in the story. The main kind of secret superpower of the Moe genre and the art style is that it allows the audience to really connect with characters without really having to know a lot about them fairly easily. This is because the characters looks invoke feeling of protectiveness. And therefore to an older audience, this makes them instantly care for them because as humans, for some reason, we really care about like what happens to like little people, like young people. We don't want children or cute things to be hurt because it causes us internal pain. Therefore seeing Rico bleeding out of her eyes makes us very uncomfortable and sad. Even in series targeted towards younger audiences like The Promised Neverland, The show was really easy to get into after the first episode because despite not really knowing a lot about Ray, Emma or Norman, you know, the main characters, we were instantly worried about them once we found out that their lives were in danger. It keeps you engaged because you worry about the safety of the kids in the show. And that's why so many shows like it are very popular. Uh, what's a little different about Made in Abyss actually though, is that Rico gets a lot of character background information in the first two episodes. We learn a lot about her and who she is, we learn that she's a troublemaker, she doesn't really listen to the rules, she's obsessed with the abyss and she has to get there one day. And she loves to do things without the consent of other people. This is all to say that we learn about who she is and then on top of that, she's a cute, adorable little girl who needs protection. And then skip forward a few episodes later and we see her in like excruciating pain, it's literally heartbreaking to watch. And it honestly makes me question if Rico and Reg were teenagers even, or even if they were adults. Would the show have been as popular as it was? Would the story have taken off? Would it have won anime of the year back in 2017 by Crunchyroll? I don't think it would have because it probably would have just been marked off as another anime that uses like shock value and gore to get its point across rather than now it's considered to be great storytelling because these kids are suffering. So put kids into any situation and it's like bound to be praised. (laughs) I think that them being young and innocent looking plays a huge part in how effective the horrific scenes are. And since we're on the point of the series being uh, mostly geared towards uh, adults or older audiences, there is another major controversy that revolves around this aspect. The fact that there is a lot of nudity in the show. Now, nudity and... Japan is kind of seen differently as it is in the U.S. I lived in Japan for a while and I've been to onsens. I've seen many different body parts of other people because when you go to those places, you have to be completely naked. It's normal for people to bathe together and nudity is a little bit more... Normalized, uh, whereas in the US it's kind of taboo. You will be criticized and ostracized I think even more so when it comes to depicting children and in lots of anime It's normal to, to depict children in this way, especially in scenes of bathing There's actually a my neighbor Totoro scene fathers bathing with the daughters in the bathtub together and that's normal That's like a way of family bonding. Um, but here it was seen as like weird. It's never with the intent of malice. Where people have concern with main Abyss is that, you know, there's no in inside. It's usually just Rico like either getting punished by being strung up naked for whatever reason, or, you know, she's in a situation where they have to take her clothes off because they she's soiled them because she's been through some terrible, awful situations, you know? And then she'll just like strut around without any clothes on. And then that's when people are like, what the heck is this show? <laughs> Um, there's actually a YouTube video that kind of breaks this down in a very interesting way uh, that talks about like Main Abyss versus another show that clearly appeals to a certain demographic that's looking for characters in a certain situation, uh, which I will not get into details about. But if you wanna watch that video, I'll link it down below. It's actually pretty graphic though, so I don't recommend it for everyone. Proceed with caution with that video. And since the creator doesn't censor any of the things shown in the other series that he uses to compare to Main in Abyss, it can be a little bit much. However I do see the point that they're trying to make in that video and that there are certain series that clearly appeal to a certain demographic and then there's Made in Abyss which though there are scenes of being unclothed unclothed, the way the, that some of the characters body proportions are shown it doesn't seem like it's in a way to elicit those types of Feelings in people like the other show that the person mentions. And instead, it's used as a way to showcase like the innocence of the characters. Like Rico, she's she's not really thinking about certain implications of her being nude. Um, she's instead like really concerned about getting to the bottom of the abyss. Her mind is almost completely set on that. Where it gets pointed out more is with Reg, who is our robot cyborg boy. He has human boy tendencies. Uh so therefore there are things that are pointed out with anatomical correctness that feel concerning to the people i can understand why because it's referenced so often like if it was a, maybe a one or two time thing you know where someone points out you know this normal thing that happens to a good portion of the population on occasion especially when they're going through puberty then it will be like oh yeah that's normal i've seen that in like american movies when it's a constant reference when lit when literally in the movie which I'll talk about a little bit later they show it it can feel like this is weird <laughs> like this is this is not necessary and it makes me uncomfortable but still there are some that can argue that the point of this is just to show how the characters feel for one another. Reg, he is very aware of his body and Reg and Rico's body and that is why we have certain scenes with him whereas Rico is more oblivious and innocent and she's not really thinking about those types of things it kind of emphasizes the youth of the characters and again adds to like the modification of them like all oh, these are just kids they don't really know what they're doing or talking about they go through embarrassing situations. Like, this is normal. I've been there at one point in my life when I was a kid. It's supposed to be relatable. It's supposed to be part of the grounded fantasy. I mean, it's up to you at the end of the day. If, it, if something makes you uncomfortable, then do not watch it. I, I, there is no shame in that. Now that we've discussed some of the major things that make people uncomfortable in the show, let's talk about the creator and how his world building and how his characters and how his desires play a part in his story. The depictions of the things that I just mentioned, Uh, there's a lot of side eyes and questionable glances thrown at the creator, Sakushi, as to why he puts so many things like it in his works. Why are there so many references to bodily fluids, nudity, gore, and body parts, as well as other questionable activities that Rico does to mostly non consenting uh, other members of the show? I haven't even mentioned the mannequin yet. Have I mentioned the mannequin? I haven't. Okay, well. There is an interview that Sakushi has done on a YouTube channel that's kind of popular in Japan. It has like almost 800,000 subscribers where the guy goes in his house and they do a house tour of his stuff and like his workplace and his influences for Made in Abyss. Sounds great, right? Well, at one point in the video, Sakushi points over to his mannequin. It's just the mannequin body of a girl uh, with a school outfit. And then as he is explaining it, he proceeds to undress it on camera to talk about how he uses it as a reference for his works and it's just like as someone who says he lurks online to see what people say about him and his works all the time he's literally on twitter every day he posts something almost every day you would think that he'd be aware of how weird people think that he is and the certain things that they say about him it makes it easier for people to draw lines between what he draws what he creates what he's talking about in his show subliminally and what he actually shows in his house and the things that he talks about and his references for his grounded fantasy. So people often make the conclusion that she likes to draw certain, which I will have to sensor And according to the Google Dictionary, a is a form of sexual desire in which gratification is linked to an abnormal degree to a particular object, item, clothing, or part of the body, etc. And there are many references to certain things that could be the case for Sakushi in Made in a Bits. Uh, all the things I mentioned before, honestly, could uh, fit into that and it's not to say that that this is definitive like this is his thing this is just lines that people are drawing from his works through the creator himself and are all alleged so i i'm not saying this is all for certain it's just what people have come to the conclusion of in in form of opinion but that is why a lot of the things shown are question. That's why people are concerned with the emphasis on certain things. And what's super interesting is that now that we are in season two, there's lots of references to this concept that people go into the abyss in order to kill to their desires. Like all the characters that are in the village in season two have turned into creatures that are obsessed with fulfilling their values and desires, which is what I will call it now. Uh, Things like being stepped on and touching cute soft fluffy things, desiring human skin smells, and all other types of kinks, if you will. Things that add to the world building, but also could not be added to the world building and still would make sense. Like there's other ways to depict the world without having to showcase the certain things that they show, but they do show them and that makes it all the more suspect. Especially since the main characters of the series are children. You know, it wouldn't be as weird if they were all adults. It would just be like a normal uh, desire. But since the depictions are children, it's a lot more concerning. And it's this type of stuff that makes anime fans not want to be anime fans sometimes because this is like riddled all over all different types of anime and it just feels like garbage. Like I hate, I hate, I hate this part of anime like with so much passion. And Joe actually made a really good video about this that I will put in the description as well that you should watch because it mostly just begs the question Like, why is this necessary? Does it actually mean anything? Is it providing something important to the story that couldn't have been expressed in another way? And then, you know, on the opposite side of the debate, people will just say, well, it's just art. So it doesn't really matter. It's just an artist expressing himself through art. You can interpret it in any number of ways. At the end of the day, it's up to us, the the audience, to decide, like, how these things make us feel and if they should be concerning or not, if it affects the way that we enjoy uh, Made in Abyss or not. And I will let you guys decide that for yourselves as well. Do these things affect the way that you view Made in Abyss, uh, affect the way that you enjoy it? At the end of the day, I always like to say, like, if you're truly a fan of a series, then you should be able to criticize something to be able to look at things objectively and try to pinpoint things that make you uncomfortable or question why things happen a certain way. And I think that's what a lot of audiences should do with Made in Abyss. I know it could be harder for some younger audiences who might watch Made in Abyss to do that. And I want to implore, like, whoever is your guardian to help you make more um, informed decisions and, like, really dive into questions about the things that you consume. Because if we just accept these things as they are, it can be pretty detrimental to our, like, our mental health and our ideas of the world in the future. So adults, question the things that you watch younger audiences question the things that you watch as well you don't have to accept things because things are popular you can question something uh, you can say things are weird i can say that the movie was weird and i hated every aspect of dawn of the deep soul hated watching it and i hated that i had to watch it in order to watch season two and i hate that no one on my anime list that at least of the reviews that i read talked about how freaking traumatizing all the events that happened in that movie were i feel valid in saying like that movie is traumatic and garbage and i hated every second of it <laughs> despite it being a really good story it's really fine we can call all the crazy things that happened in the Abyss, all the questionable things that happen with its creator, um, and still enjoy the story for the most part. We just need to be able to talk and discuss about it. And it's not like season two of Maiden Abyss has been any better. It's been just as fucked up as the rest of the series. I could have gone deeper into the controversies of Maiden Abyss. Yeah, I only have the bandwidth to talk about it so much, and I've already been talking about it for about an hour, so I'm at my limit. <laughs> Please let me know your thoughts and comments, respectively, politely, and with a degree of like tact in the comments below about the series, what you think about it, about the facts and information that I brought up in this video. And yeah, I really appreciate you for watching. As always, my name is Phoenix. This has been the Anime Tea, where I dive into the world of visual storytelling in anime and sometimes manga on a weekly basis. If you want more videos and deep dives on anime and series like this, make sure to subscribe by clicking my little face over here or check out this video where, you know, YouTube will suggest a video for you to watch for my channel. Don't watch Magnabus, Dawn of the Deep Soul. If you can, please read the Spark instead. Like I beg you. It's literally not worth watching except for knowing what's going to happen in season two. Thanks for watching and I'll see you guys in the next video. Peace.